Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Great to be with you. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, if you don't, it's okay. We're going to have all of the passages that I'm going to go through from Colossians to the end up on the screen. But you all have been working through this sermon series now for a while, four or five weeks, I guess. Uh, and the title is 30 Days to Live. Come on, y'all, you're still alive. 30 days to live, you're still alive. And, and so the aim of this series, of course, has been to, well, Remind us of just how brief, just how short life really is. How many of y'all know life is short? It's like a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. And if you had 30 days to live, you wouldn't be worried too much about what you look like, who likes you, how many followers you have on Instagram or another social media outlet. You wouldn't be worried about that, would you? If you had 30 days to live, well, you would make sure that as you counted your days, that you made sure that those days really counted, both now and for eternity. And so Pastor Jacob and Pastor Joseph have, they've talked about the generous life, the vulnerable life, the humble life, and more. But today I'm going to end this series by talking to you about what happens at the end of your life. At the end of your life, and if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is Crossing Over, Crossing Over. Let's bow and let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning. Lord, as I preach on eternal, weighty, eternal truths, Lord, that you would open up hearts and minds, that you would give us understanding. Lord, I know there's so many things on our minds today, so many uh, distractions good things, some, of course, bad things, some things that the devil would love to use to rob and to steal, to interfere with what you want to do. And I just pray, Father God, that you would have your way. Come on, can we lift our hands right now to the Lord? Can we just do that as a sign of surrender? Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender to your will. Lord, we pray for an open heaven over this place. Lord, I pray that you would use me to impart eternal truths to my brothers and sisters here on this Sunday morning. And so God, we love you. We give you one more time all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say it. Come on, one more time. Thank God, one more time. Thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. Thank you, God. We thank you, God. Well, with this topic of crossing over from this life to the next in mind, uh, well, let's be honest. No one really likes to talk about death. It's a morbid topic. As a matter of fact, I'm positive that no one got up here today uh, as you arose in the morning and said, you know, I just can't wait to die. Did anybody, did anybody wake up this morning and think that? No, no, no one did. Uh, I think if we're all honest, we're all a bit apprehensive about death, aren't we? Would y'all agree with that? Y'all know the two greatest fears in the world they've shown involve what I'm doing right now, <laughs> public speaking, and death, those are two of the greatest, two of the greatest fears. And uh, I have to be honest that even though I know a lot about the Bible, I've studied the Bible for a good while, 
I am a bit apprehensive about dying. You say, well, Pastor Scott, why, why would you be apprehensive about it? Well, because very simply, I've never done that before. I've never died before. I've never faced it before. But, but I know, and you know, the one who died, but lived to tell about it, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus tells us that we, we really should not fear it because he has overcome it. Are y'all with me today? We should not fear it because he has overcome it. And so as we look at this topic, on one hand, I understand if you're apprehensive about it. I get that. On the other hand, as we get into the word today, I'm going to show you why you, why, why me, why we can approach death with confidence because we know not just what is on the other side, we know who is on the other side. Can I get an amen this morning? And so over the years, people have asked me a lot of questions about death and the afterlife, and I wanna give you just a sample of the questions I've received. This is just a short list, I've received many more. But very simply, people have asked, Pastor Scott, what happens when I die? What happens after I breathe my last? Where will I go? Someone asked, what will heaven be like? Man, I could preach like a six month series just on that, but we won't do, get into that today in detail. Uh, someone actually asked me this question, will there be gumbo in heaven? And the Bible says, Cajuns, you can just rest assured of this, there will be a Cajun section in heaven with streets paved with purple and gold. <laughs> and there'll be an unlimited supply of gumbo. No, the Bible doesn't say that at all. Someone asked this though, uh, do our pets go to heaven? Answer, can I give y'all the biblical truth on this? Dogs, yes. Cats, no way. They go to purgatory. Oh, that was terrible. Sorry, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm done. No, but uh, no, the Bible doesn't address that. Um, people have asked, uh, will, will Christians be judged? What about purgatory? Okay, there's a long list. I, I can't get into all of these questions this morning, but I do want to address three of the most popular ones that I have heard and received personally over the years. And let me just get right down to business. Here, here's what someone asked me, and perhaps you're asking the same question this morning. Someone asked, is there a waiting period for souls after they die, or is heaven immediate? Let me say it again. Is there a waiting period for souls, for Christians, after they die, or is heaven immediate? Now I want you to imagine a scenario with me. The saints aren't playing today, but imagine if you, you came to church today, you were to go home later, eat, have a nice lunch, maybe take a Sunday afternoon nap, uh, just maybe in your normal saints routine, you were to watch the game, and then go throughout the day, go to bed tonight, and then imagine if you were to pass in your sleep. Imagine if you were to go to bed, but die in your sleep as a believer, what would be your next step? <laughs> what would be the outcome? After you die, what should you expect? Well, it depends on who you ask. There are many people in this community, I wanna be as respectful and as honest as I can. There are many people in this community who believe that after a Christian dies, he or she goes to a place called purgatory. 
And that place is, well, it's a place or a condition for you to suffer, to be cleansed uh, pre-heaven, okay, so that you can enter heaven eventually. Let me give you a precise definition from the Catholic Encyclopedia. So hopefully you can trust this source. I'm not just making some things up here. I want to be as specific as I can. This encyclopedia says that purgatory is a place or condition, listen to the language, of temporal punishment for those who departing this life in God's grace are not entirely free from venial, that is less serious sins, uh, venial faults, or, or listen carefully, have not fully paid the satisfaction due to their transgressions. Now that's a mouthful, isn't it? Basically for those Christians who departing this life still have sin, that you need to go to this place called purgatory so that stuff can be cleansed from you so you can suffer for them to finally be worthy of heaven. Now raise your hand if you were raised believing that or being taught that, let me see your hands. Okay, a lot of you were. And it's, it's a very popular teaching. And based on this logic, some of you would go for a little while, some of y'all would spend a long time up in purgatory. And you know who you are. But let me get right down to business. Again, I wanna be respectful and honest at the same time. Every single one of us here, we have to ask and answer this question. What is our final authority? What is your final authority? Maybe I should say it this way, who is your final authority? How many of y'all know for a lot of people the answer is them? It's us. But, but as, as believers in Christ, let me just answer personally, my final authority is God Almighty himself, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, our Lord, God has spoken by the Holy Spirit, so he is my authority, but he has spoken and he speaks through scripture, the 66 books of the Bible. How many of y'all are thankful that you don't have to wonder or guess what the will of God is? You can know his will by reading his word. Are y'all with me today? How many of y'all are thankful for the word of God? You don't have to wonder what his will is. You can know his will from scripture. And so God, God, God is my ultimate authority. His word is my ultimate authority. So when I address a question like this, I don't want to give you my opinion. I want to give you something much greater than that. The eternal, unshakable, unbreakable word of God that is fixed in the heavens that cannot be moved or altered. So as I stand here today, thank you for the introduction. People say, oh, Pascal, you have all these degrees. Okay, who cares? At the end of the day, my authority is not based on my degrees. At the end of the day, my authority is because of the word of God. We stand on the word. You can be a nice person, I can be a nice person, but that doesn't mean that you carry authority. I'm gonna show you from scripture what this looks like for us. When we cross from this life to the next, I wanna address this question. So look with me in Colossians chapter two, beginning in verse 13. Let's listen to what the apostle Paul writes about this very issue. He says this, and you who were dead in your trespasses, that means in your missteps, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, 
having forgiven us all our what? All of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open what? He put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Now that is a mouthful, isn't it? What is Paul saying? Well, first of all, let me talk about the bad news. How many of y'all know in order to really appreciate the good news, you gotta know the bad news? And some people, some preachers don't wanna talk about the bad news, they wanna go straight to the good news. Let me talk about both, because by understanding the the former, you can really thank God for the latter. Here's what Paul says. First of all, listen, we, by nature, we are dead. Everybody say dead. Not not sick, not passed out. We are dead in our trespasses. We are dead in our sins. According to Paul, we're not only naughty by nature, we are damned because of the deeds of darkness committed in the sinful flesh. That's who we are apart from Christ. We're dead. We're dead. Nothing in us on our own. We are not able to come alive on our own to bring ourselves to spiritual life. Raise your hand if you're born again. Raise your hand if you're born again. Did you know that God did that work in your heart that was a supernatural resurrection of the dead from you from death to life? That was God who did that. He brought you to a point where you believe the gospel. Your eyes were open. That was the work of God. That's resurrection power in your own life. But Paul says that we were dead. We were dead. And not only were we dead, we were in debt to God. We owed a debt because of our sins that is so enormous, no matter how long we live, no matter how hard we try, no matter how long we stayed in purgatory, if that place was real, no matter how long, we on our own could never, ever, ever pay that debt. And so here we are as a fallen human race in big trouble because of our sin in Adam. But how many of y'all are thankful that there was a second Adam His name is Jesus Christ who came to undo what the first Adam broke. He came to reverse the curse. He came to reconcile us to the Father to make us one with the Father again. How many of y'all are thankful for that? When, so let me teach y'all for a minute. When you hear the word atonement, someone said that's a Pastor Scott word. No, that's actually, it's a biblical concept. Everybody say atonement. Atonement, the word means this, at one meant that Christ left heaven and he came to the earth and he made us at one with God. How's that possible? Well, in the first century, if, if someone was crucified, the Romans would often take a, a record of what that person had done, the crimes that person had committed, and they would nail that notice to the criminal on the cross. So if you were to walk by and you are to see somebody being crucified, well, if you didn't know the reason, you could just read the, the notice that had a list of the crimes, and you'd be like, oh, wow, okay, now I got it. Well, according to Paul, we all have a record of debt. There is a notice against our lives that we could never pay. But Jesus 
left heaven, he came to earth, and he took that notice, he took our debt, he took everything we could not pay, he went on the cross, he stretched out his hands, and there on the cross, he made full satisfaction, not for some of your sins, but for them all. Come on, y'all, your sins are paid for, not just in part, but the whole. Therefore, you don't have to bear them any longer. Are y'all awake today? Come on, you don't have to carry that guilt and that shame any longer because Jesus made satisfaction. He satisfied the wrath of God. He cleanses you through his atoning death. Paul says that Christ canceled, this is so good. Raise your hand if you've ever been in debt. Okay, let me help you. You're all in debt apart from Christ. He canceled the record of debt, and here's the language. The Greek word translated, I'll spare you the details, essentially means this, to wipe out, it means to erase. He obliterated that record of debt that stood against you. Years ago, many years ago, my oldest Carson, who's now almost 17, when he was just a young, young fella, he, he liked to go to the Dollar General store because Carson had this pencil eraser fetish. Like, he loved pencil erasers. And like, he just couldn't get his mind off them. So one day, I went and got a coffee and uh, had my time with Carson. We went to the Dollar General store. We went to the aisle where they have the, the erasers, the pencils, the markers, all that. And as we're walking through, I found, I saw like a six pack of erasers. And I'm like, Carson, man, how, how, about, how about these? And he looks at me and goes, no, no. And he points over to the right. And just over to the right, there was this big eraser. And on the front of it, it said, for really big mistakes. He said, I want that one. How many of y'all are thankful you serve a God who has an eraser for all of your really, really big mistakes? He wipes the slate clean when you come to him. And he's the only one who can do that. He's the only one who can make satisfaction for your sin. As a matter of fact, scholars point out that receipts from the ancient world have been recovered, tax receipts. And they've discovered in places that at the bottom of the receipt, there's one word, it's a Greek word, to telestai. It's an accounting term that basically means paid in full. According to the Gospel of John, do you know what Jesus said just before he died? One word in Greek, three in English, to telestai, it is finished. Not you are finished, it is finished. The work of redemption, it is finished. Jesus ran the race, he lived, he died. Jesus eventually rose and he did it all for you. And there's nothing you or me or we can do to add to it. He provides cleansing for us. Come on, y'all, give him more. He's worthy. He's the only one. The first Adam broke it, the second Adam came to fix it. The first Adam placed us in debt, the second Adam, Jesus, came to pay our debt. And what an incredible truth this is. Because of Christ, we are justified. It means that God looks at me and he sees me just as if I have never sinned. The same is true for you. You have though, haven't you? Of course you have. But he sees you because of Jesus just as though, let's make it personal, say I just as though I have never sinned. But it's not just that. People stop right there and preachers preach that and I'm like, oh, there's more. It's not just God looking at you and declaring about you just as if 
I've never sinned, but it's also God seeing you just as if I, just as if you have always obeyed. You're not just forgiven, but because of Jesus, you stand righteous in his sight. So your sin was placed on Christ, his righteousness given to you, so you stand before God righteous, you sit before him righteous, therefore that should have a real practical impact on your life, shouldn't it? Some of you grew up, you're afraid of God, running from God, and there is a time, of course, we should have an appropriate fear of God, that is true. But knowing the love of God, knowing the sacrifice of Christ, come on, y'all, we should be those who confidently run to the Father, not away in shame, but to him for forgiveness, knowing that he is ready with wide open arms to receive us every time we need that grace in our lives, which for us is daily, isn't it? Come on, how many of y'all need the grace of God every single day? Someone said, when you get saved, you don't have to ask for forgiveness because all your sins are paid for, past, present, and future. And I respond by saying, it is true that on the cross, he purchased our forgiveness, past, present, and future. But how many of y'all know the application of that is needed every day? We need to repent often. How many of y'all know that's true? Come on, ladies, take your husband's hand and go like that. We are, we are professional repenters, aren't we? We should be for something. I'm not saying we should live in big sin. As believers, here's the, here's the aim. We get born again. And when you're born again, you can be 50 years old and have wisdom in the world. But when you're born again at 50, let's just use that number, you're still a spiritual infant. And that's okay. We all got to start somewhere, don't we? But God, by his spirit, takes us from spiritual infancy through the word, by the spirit, to spiritual maturity and over the course of our lives, we still sin, but isn't the aim to sin less and less? To say yes to God, no to sin, yes to the promises. God, I know what you delivered me from, and I'm thankful that I'm no longer in Egypt. I'm heading to the ultimate promised land, heaven itself. Jesus, you came as the greater Moses to emancipate me, to deliver me. Are y'all okay? Boy, I'm fired up about this. I'm trying, sister. <laughs> We're justified in his sight. Listen carefully. Because of Jesus' suffering, we are clean. We are debt-free. So let me make it personal. I, I, you can do the same for you. You. We don't die and then suffer to then enter heaven. Instead, because of the authority of the word of God, here's what, what, what happens. We trust the one who suffered and died to qualify us to open up the way for us to enter heaven. So it's not about you suffering in the next life so that you can finally be purged and cleansed. How many of y'all are thankful? At the cross of Calvary, a fountain of forgiveness was open, and you're not just free, you're not just cleansed, you, but you are free and forgiven indeed, through and through, for the big sins, for the little sins, for all the sins, Christ made satisfaction for you and for me. So, we can say it this way. Jesus came from heaven to the earth to die so that earth can be qualified to enter heaven. 
And Jesus said to the thief on the cross just before he died, today you will be with me in paradise. Not purgatory, but where? How many of y'all are thankful for that? Paradise. Paradise has been opened by the blood of the Lamb. Now, there are people in this community who disagree with that. You can respect them and love them. But once again, our ultimate authority is who? And his, and what his word says. If his word says it, then that should what? Settle it for us. And that should shape and form the way we think and the way we act. How many of y'all know our beliefs dictate our behaviors? When you believe the truth, you live the truth. If you believe a lie, you'll probably live that lie. So that's why preaching is so important. That's why church attendance is so important. You need to read the Bible in your own time. But what I'm doing now is I am publicly heralding and proclaiming the best news. It's not just good news. It is the best news you will ever hear. That Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, came for you to set you free. And man, you need to hear that every day. I, I, I kind of worry about these people who say, yeah, well, I, I believe the gospel. I've done, I, back in Tennessee, I, I done did that, is what some would say. I done said the prayer. I got the baptism certificate. I done did that. Well, listen, that, that's, that's good. You, you said the prayer. You got baptized. Praise God. But we must get up every day and get out of our beds. The Bible says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. So we have been justified by faith. We stand in his grace and thank God we can rest in the peace of knowing that there is shalom, peace with God on the basis of what Christ has done for us. So you, re yeah, you, rest, in, you rest in that. And as you rest in that, you better be fighting sin. Because the Puritan John Owen said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Sin will be killing your marriage. Sin will be killing things in your life. Fight it, but rest Assured, knowing that Christ has made satisfaction for it all. So, Pastor Scott, why are you talking about all this? Well, to answer the question, where do believers go when we die? That's the basis. Let me give you two more scriptures to prove the point further. In 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul says, Yes, we are of good courage. How many of y'all are of good courage today? Good courage. And no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're fighting, be of good courage. Christ has overcome. He says, we are of good courage. And we, listen to what he says, we would rather be where? Away from the? And at home with the? We say it this way, to be absent from the body is to be present with the? So when you die, you breathe your last, your body goes down, your spirit goes up, and you are immediately transferred into the presence of God in heaven. That's what Paul says. You say, well, that's just one scripture. Okay, let me give you another one. Philippians 1, 21 through 23, listen to what he says. For me, Paul says, for me to, li to live is Christ, and to die, this is crazy, to die is what? <laughs> who talks like that? Someone who knows the power of the gospel. Someone who believes every word of it. He says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. That means I'm going to preach four services. You know, I'm going to go about my business in Ephesus. I'm going to do all the work God's called me to do. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. He says this in verse 23, I'm hard pressed between the two, life, death. He says this, my desire is to depart 
and be with Christ, for that is far what? That is far better. In Paul's mind, he was not thinking, oh man, I've done this well, but I'm not sure about these remaining things. I could go like into this state of being purged. No, Paul understood that he had been cleansed by the cross and he could not wait. He could not wait to see God, Christ, face to face. His next step and your next step after death is heaven. Heaven into the presence of God where we will live forever. No suffering, no serpent, no sickness, no setbacks. I'm gonna run out of fingers. None of those S's because the old way will have passed away. How many of y'all are thankful we'll go to heaven but one day heaven's coming to the earth? He's gonna make all things brand new here. No serpent. The serpent entered in Genesis 3. Revelation 20 says that God's going to kick that serpent out once and for all. How many of y'all hate snakes? The snake is never too dead, right? You run over it, you back up one more time, right? I, th- I think I told the story, maybe last time I was here, about my, well, again, about Karsten, who wanted a snake when he was younger. And we gave in, and he got a, a ball python. We, I can't believe we actually got a snake in our house. But anyway, we had this snake, and... Uh, Carson had it in his room in this aquarium, and one day he left the lid off. And, and so my son Hudson, okay, pray for him. He decided to name the snake Satan. <laughs> How many of y'all know Satan was loose in the house? <laughs> we finally found Satan, put him back in his cage, and thank God that snake died. But how many of y'all know there's a serpent on the loose right now, but one day Jesus is going to grab that serpent and throw that serpent out of creation once and for all. No temptation, no sickness, no cancer, no ugliness, no rebellion, just light and life in the presence of God forever. That's what's coming. But when we die, we go to be with God there, but one day there's coming here, and we can rest assured of all the promises of God that are yes and amen along the way. That was one question. Let me give you another one. The first question, if we were to summarize, would say, when do we enter heaven as believers? The second question is this. Who will be in heaven? Who will be there? Well, obviously God. That's what makes heaven, heaven. But who, who will be there? Someone said this. There are certain people here on earth who do things that we have a hard time getting over, things such as rape, abuse, murder, etc. I know that Romans, the Bible, says Jesus died for everyone, including these people, and if they repent and accept Jesus before they pass, then we can assume that they will be in heaven. I have been told by someone that if this person is in heaven, that's no heaven they want to be in. I guess if I did have a question, it would be, what do I tell her? Fair question, huh? Well, here's my response. I would say this person will not be in heaven because this person became a forgiven person and a new person when this person became born again. Does that make sense? That person died when that person came to Christ. 
How many are thankful when you came to Christ, the old you died and the new you now lives? And some people will judge you according to your past, but Jesus judges you on the basis of his cross death and through that judgment, what happened to him, he says, you're free and you're forgiven. Boy, that's good news today. You are freed and you are forgiven. So people like that on one hand were like, oh man, I don't know if I wanna spend eternity with someone like that. That person will not be like that. That person is forgiven and freed and will be glorified just as we will be one day in God's presence. Let me say something semi-provocative. I tend to have that gift. Christianity is not about asking Jesus into our lives, even though I know what people mean when they say that. It is more precisely about us dying to our lives so we can participate in his eternal life. So I know, I know what people mean, but it's, I'm forsaking sin, the flesh, the devil, the things of this world, everything in me apart from God. It's dying to that so I can live with God forever. It's grabbing hold by faith of the promise of eternal life in Christ. And when you grab a hold of him by faith, he grabs a hold of you and he'll never let go. He who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Just like when we start projects, sometimes we get bored, sometimes we run out of resources. But how many of y'all know when God started a work in your life, I promise you forever, he has all the resources and the vested interest to make sure that what he starts, he finishes in your life. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what addiction you're facing, Christ Jesus can break the chains of your addiction to set you free, man. And I'm not preaching a polished message, I'm preaching my life. Because if Jesus can set me free, y'all are easy. How many of y'all been set free by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of the Spirit? Listen carefully. The worst of sinners are in heaven. If, everybody say if if they repented and placed their faith in Jesus. Y'all remember the old Etch-a-Sketch? They still have those? Y'all remember those? With those big, those big white. You draw a picture on it. If you didn't like it, what'd you do? Come on, everybody do it with me. What'd you do? Come on, do it. Y'all aren't, y'all, some of y'all are like. What'd you, what'd you do? How many of y'all are thankful that Jesus finds you in your sin and he finds you in your mess, but he loves you so much. He died on the cross and the moment you repent, he goes like this. <laughs> and how many of y'all are thankful for those white? Then he not only forgives you, but he draws a new picture in your life. He makes you new, you're a new creation and new creations do new things. Somebody got it. Come on, everybody go. God's doing this in me. He's working. Sometimes I take over and I go like this and God's like, no, no, mm. let's do it this way, let, let me. Mm. The worst of sinners are in heaven if they repented and placed their faith in Jesus. How is that possible? How is that possible? I've heard Jeffrey Dahmer got born again in prison. I don't know if y'all are looking forward to spending eternity with him, but how many of y'all gonna kind of watch you back? <laughs> I don't know if that's true. 
But how is that possible? Answer? Because when you turn to Christ and you place your faith in him, listen to my words carefully, you get legal assistance. You get legal help. What does that mean? It means this, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So don't, don't, don't. But if anyone does sin, listen, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. What does that mean? Big words there. Here's what it means. Jesus is our advocate, acting like our heavenly defense counsel. He lives, Jesus lives to make intercession for you. He pleads your case, he died in your place, and he not only pleads your case, listen, he goes before the court, before the justice of heaven, and though you're guilty, he dies in your place, he pays your debt so that you can walk free. He is your legal heavenly counsel. And it's not like the Father's arm has to be twisted, the Father loves you. But in order to satisfy justice, Jesus had to die for you. He pleads your case, he died in your place so as to forgive you forever. You're eternally forgiven. Years ago, I saw this picture on social media and I'm like, man, that's good. Larry L. Archie. Y'all see the top line, what's it say? (laughs) Read it. Just because you did it, doesn't mean you're guilty. That's my kind of lawyer right there. Boy, that'll preach. How many of y'all know? You did it, didn't you? Come on, raise your hand if you blew it. Of course you have. Naughty by nature, dead in sin. You, even after you became a Christian, you did it. But just because you did it as you sit here today doesn't mean you're guilty any longer because Jesus made satisfaction for your sin. Yes, you're guilty. Yes, sin's terrible. But we serve a great God who's filled with great grace and massive amounts of mercy for all of us. Just because you did it doesn't mean that you're guilty. I mean, you are. Right? It's a conundrum. We are. But before God, we're not. Thank you, Larry. You said it better than most preachers. You all with me? Thank you. I have one person. Thank God. I'm just messing with you all. Let's begin to wrap up. So when you get to heaven, if you're tempted to look around and see people from your past or from the paper, from social media, from the news and wonder, how'd that person get here? They're probably wondering the same about you. What's the answer? Only because of the amazing grace of God that saved wretches like all of us. John Newton, the author of the hymn Amazing Grace. Raise your hand if you know it. I'd sing it, but I'd grieve the Holy Ghost. Y'all don't want to hear me sing. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was 
But now I, he was in his 80s and he was reflecting back on a terrible life of debauchery and horrible, horrible crimes against humanity of slave trading. Horrible, 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 horrible stuff. And he said this in his 80s, he said, although my memory is fading, there are two things I remember very clearly. First, I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great savior. How many of y'all can say, apart from Christ, you're a great sinner, but Christ is a great savior. Thank you, Jesus, for your saving work in my life that not only saves me for heaven, but also spares me from hell in this life for the terrible decisions, the sinful decisions that I could make and at times have made in the past. Thank you for saving me. Not just from sin, but for a relationship with God and for a purpose here in this life. People come to my office and say, Pastor God, I wanna go in the full-time ministry. I'm called by God. And I will hear them out. And after they're done, they, they mean something like, I'm called to be a preacher or I'm called to be a worship leader. Some people are, that's fine. But did you know, no matter who you are or what you do for a living, it's at the end of the day, not about what you do to make money. It's about what you do to make an impact. How many of y'all know, if you're in Christ, you're in the full-time ministry. And Christianity is not just about us going to heaven. Yes, it's that. But for now, it's about heaven coming to the earth through us and our businesses and through our, with our lips and our lives, the way we carry ourselves, the way we do business and the way that we live is to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone we encounter. Thank you for your grace, Jesus. Thank you for saving me from hell, but also from hell in this life, from stupidity in this life from the things that I've done in this life. Finally, someone asked, do people get a chance to believe in Jesus after they die? And my response is, well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Like, if I die and like, I've sat in services, someone said I've sat in services and I've heard the gospel preached and it was just white noise. It's like, okay, when's this guy gonna be done? <laughs> and, and you know, so y'all don't know this, but when I preach, when Pastor Joseph and others preach, we stand before you and before God. And we are commissioned by God to tell you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us, God Almighty. One man said, if you're looking for a church, don't find one closest to your home, find one closest to the Bible. I hope that you see this church. We're not the only church, I'm not saying that. Closest to the word of God. And when I preach and I share, I get excited because again, it's not some message I just simply wrote, it's my life. And I've preached in context before all over. 
I'm not, the, I'm not quite the evangelist Pastor Jacob is. There's like nobody like him. He's like in a league of his own. Just, there's, no, there's only one Pastor Jacob. I don't even have to explain that. I remember in Scottsdale one time I was preaching and I thought it was a great message. Of course I would. As I'm preaching, it was on Romans 12, if I recall correctly, but having a renewed mind. And I was preaching on eternal things, great, lofty, weighty things. And I said, I said, right, right now, y'all are looking at me, I'm looking at you, and I'm preaching about these incredible things. But there's so many things that can distract you right now. Like, for example, right now, I asked everyone, what's on your mind? How many of you know? You gotta be careful what you ask in church. There's a lady on the back row, and she raised her hand, and she goes, Popeyes. And I looked at her without being judgmental. I'm like, I believe you. She was out of it. She was thinking about fried chicken while I'm preaching on the lamb. Think about the devil will use fried chicken, the things of this world that can be good to distract you from what's really, really good. The devil will use anything to get us off track and to say, ah, oh, you know, I don't need that. People say, I don't, I don't really need, like, okay, I'm a good person, so I don't really need that. And I step back in with love in my heart and compassion in my eyes, and I say, actually, you're not a good person. You are falling apart from Christ. You are dead in your sins. I know what people mean by that. He's a good guy. I know, I know what we mean, but biblically, no one is good. No one is righteous. All have sinned, and all are in need of redemption through the blood. When's this guy gonna be done? I don't need that. How many of y'all know you can be in church? But just because you're in church doesn't mean that you're in relationship with Christ. Oh, that's scary. I was in church growing up, but very far away from Christ. And by God's grace, finally one day, the Spirit of God opened up my heart. And what was perceived by me to be a waste of time in church, hearing the message in church, it went from being a waste of time to me getting born again. And since that time, I've dedicated every moment of my waking life to preach the message of Christ in him crucified because I love people so much. I want as many as possible to go to heaven with me. I want you to go there with me. You should want people to go there with you. Come on, y'all, Christ made satisfaction. He paid the price. Where do people go? What happens? It, what happens if they don't believe in this life? Is there a second chance? Well, the Bible is clear at this point. Hebrews 9.27 says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. It's appointed for man to die once, and then we stand before God. So there are no second chances. Today is the day of salvation, right now. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to prepare you. Yes, hell is real. Yes, everlasting punishment is real. But thank God, Christ made a way 
He made a way for us to go to heaven. But we must believe now. We must believe now. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready to face eternity? Are you ready? Are you, are you ready? Are you sure? Someone said, I don't believe all that. Are you sure? Eternity is way too long for you to be wrong. Are you sure? Some of you have been procrastinating. You've been in church, but you never made a commitment to Jesus to place your faith in him. St. Augustine says this, listen carefully. God has promised forgiveness to your repentance, but he has not promised tomorrow to your procrastination. What will you do with this great gospel that I've preached today? You've heard it said, and I'm sure you've seen on every tombstone, after a person passes, there are three distinguishing marks. There is first, the date of the person's what? Then there's the date of the person's what's in between? The dash. Have you ever noticed how small that dash is? Oh, we celebrate birth and we, we fear death, but, but what about the dash? The dash in between, it's so small. And we're dashing here, dashing there, going about business and thinking about fried chicken, thinking about the game and all that's fine. But, but in, the, in the dash, in the dash, here's what, here's what we can say about God's goodness. He has, he has been so good and so kind to us that in the dash of our lives, he's made sure that we all hear the message of the cross. And if we want to cross from this life into eternal life, the only way, the only way to cross is by the cross of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is no other way. Someone said, that's not fair. There needs to be a lot of ways. Listen, God didn't have to make one way. But how many of you are thankful Jesus is the way? He is the truth and he is the life. And if you want to have assurance that when you cross from this life over into the next, it's only through the cross of Jesus where you find that assurance. It's not looking within. It's not looking back to a baptism certificate, though that's fine. It's not even looking just to the time you raised your hand, though that's important. I'm going to have you do that in a minute. At the end of the day, it's not just that you got saved. It's that every single day, Christians, we wake up, we put our feet on the ground, and we stand on the Word. And you can't rely on yesterday's faith for today's problems. We got to get up every day and preach and live the gospel every single day. By faith in Christ. Final question. Are you prepared to cross over? Please don't attempt to do so without the cross of Jesus. He is our only hope. In the dash, you've heard the message of the cross. What will you do with it? What will you do with it? Don't delay. We stand or sit on the precipice of eternity. 
Are you ready to cross? It could be in 30 minutes, 30 days, 30 weeks, 30 years. Eventually, you're going to cross. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Wrestle with this question. Are you ready? Right now, I want you to close your eyes. I haven't said this to scare you. I've said this to prepare you to cross over. Presumably, many of you here, I saw the hands earlier, you're born again. But maybe you've been just coming to church. You're in the pew. But if you're honest with yourself, you're not really in relationship with Jesus. And Jesus said no one can see the kingdom, no one can enter the kingdom unless one is born of the Spirit, born from above. Thank God for all the salvations that have been happening here. Thank God he's been raising the dead every weekend. But listen right now with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. Some of you, if you're honest, you say, I'm not born again. I don't have a relationship with God. But, but Pastor Scott, I want to be forgiven. I want my debt to be fully paid. I want, I want God. And if you want him, you can have all of him you want because of Jesus. And so with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if it's one, if it's five, it doesn't matter. If it's, praise God, if it's 50, it doesn't matter though. I want to give you this, this time to respond. If you say, Pastor Scott, I want to be born again. I want my sins forgiven. I want a relationship with God on the count of three. I just want you to slip your hand up right where you are. One, two, three. Say, that's me, Pastor Scott. Let me see your hand right now. If that's you, slip your hand up. Don't, don't sit there and think, I'll come back, I'll come back, I'll come back, I'll come back. I'll go get my life straight, then I'll come back. No, you don't go get your life straight and then come back. You raise your hand and Christ right now will get your life straight. Or at least he'll get you on that path. He'll forgive your sins right now. Let me see your hands. Don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. For all the hands going up. Thank you for listening to God. Thank you for believing the word of God. You'll never be sorry. You'll be eternally thankful. You can put your hands down. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed. If you raise your hand, I'm gonna give you a prayer to pray. This prayer doesn't save you. It's not magic. It's not the way it works. It's a profession. It's a confession that I believe verbalizes what's happening in your heart right now. And we're all going to say this with you. And y'all, I want you to say it and pray it with me like it was the first time you did it. Those of you who are born again, for those of you who raised your hand and surrendered your life to Christ, this is for you. Come on, all, all of us here, let's say this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. You paid my debt, and you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. Say this today, Lord Jesus, I turn from sin. I turn to you to follow you. With all my heart, no turning back. And I declare 
that I am born again, that God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and because of Jesus, come on, say it again, because of Jesus, heaven is now my home. 